Hello, and welcome to Kaiju Curry House, the British bi-weekly podcast where you get a healthy dose of kaiju banter. Tonight, we have a special guest, Mr. Freddie Williams. He is the artist for the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers vs. Godzilla. Or do I have it the other way around? Doesn't matter. <laughs> so it's Morphin time, folks. Get ready for a great episode. Guys, how are you doing tonight? Thanks so much for having me on, guys. I, re- I really appreciate it. This is going to be really fun. Well, We've already been talking for like an hour. <laughs> yeah, but... yeah, there's like so much more to talk about. Hey, thank you for taking the time out. Yeah, it's brilliant. So welcome aboard, Freddie. So we start our episodes with what have Kaiju been up to? So this week, I'm going to pick on Paul first. Paul, what have Kaiju been up to? Joe, you'll be pleased to hear that I finished The Land Before Time. The Land of Time Forgot. I was going to say, you finished the, you finished the Land Before Time years before Just, we started recording. Yeah, and no. there's like 14 uh, Land Before Time. I was going to ask you which one, because they made a bunch of sequels to it. So. <laughs> oh, so. ever. I thought it was a series at one point. It, it turned was... out they were just making movies. Look, Joe, uh, for my birthday last year, um, Joe gifted me with The Land That Time Forgot. And I finally read the final part of the trilogy, which was... Um, out of time's abyss there you go. and it was really good it was it was kind of like a horror almost like I a supernatural you, horror it, 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 it took it, a it, different turn from all the other stories I, didn't it i know it, it it's a wild ride that it one. was like, so good the, the winglies man were you expecting that they were mentioned in in the other story and then as soon as i like i had no idea what it was coming and then they just said what they were and i was like oh <gasps> I'm going to find out all about them. Yes. Dude, I, I, I told you. It was you. so good. Was so good. good. So, Freddy, yeah. Have you, have you read The Land That Time Forgot? No, I've been uh, watching all the uh, Land Before Time uh, sequels, and that's what I've been spending all my time on. I'm just joking. Um, uh, no, I have not read that. Although, did you say that the title of it is, what was it about the abyss? Out of, t- out of Time's Abyss. So, that's a, that's a so Edgar Rice, Edgar Rice Burroughs, guy yeah. who wrote Tarzan, um, he's written a whole bunch of other stuff. John Carter of Mars, you know, the, the, the princess of Mars, that's him. And then he wrote a prehistoric adventures trilogy that started with the land that time forgot. And then there's the people that time forgot. And then there's out of time's abyss. And that's the Caspak, Caspik, however Cas- you want to I, I say Caspak trilogy. Yeah, yeah. Trilogy. It's great. It's, it's got a U-boat in it, dinosaurs. <laughs> Like, and basically there's this river that goes through this island and the farther up the river you go, the more evolved things get. And you reach a stage in the river where there are humans and you can keep going further. The third book is about what happens when they go further. Oh, great. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So for like 1920s Pulp Fiction, it's awesome. Yeah. And it, they're short books and they and like, they just have a lot to offer. So. Yeah, you know, I'm surprised I haven't run across that. I I had a collection of time travel uh, books that I was reading, I don't know, like 15 years ago at this point or something. It was like a collection. um, uh, I don't know. I was was into that for a little while. uh, And I can't really remember many of the titles right now because I'm kind of sleep deprived and it's files. (laughs) I don't know. I wasn't prepared for that part. But it was, uh, yeah, I'm surprised I didn't run across that. I have a good friend named Jerry Moon who does a lot of reading and he was recommending me a bunch of books and um i wonder if he recommended me this and then i thought nah that just sounds like some dinosaur thing and then i walk you know like yeah. I, I want it to be like hardcore time travel that's the thing i was into at the time you know okay yes yes there's no time travelers that they, they they come across an island and yeah 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 so the first two books in the trilogy are dinosaurs and you know what's on the island really but the third one just goes 
completely different direction and it just says what what's the next stage of hu human evolution and it's not pretty it's a scary evolution <laughs> yeah so what edgar rice burroughs does is he spins a great yarn but they are adventure so they grab you they are awesome and what's really funny is the guy started out like his working career selling pencils like i think that's like the best like story ever so he he started selling pencils and then you know like, he just moved on to writing and he just became this amazing prolific author so yeah i gave paul some edgar rice burroughs uh books and glad to say he liked him so this okay, is cool yeah. <laughs> have, have you finally have you finally opened that which picture book i got you well i'm i'm now gonna open now I've, now that's out the way i'm gonna start on the aliens book you got me which isn't just pictures joe there's there's lots of writing in it as well <laughs> but yeah there will be artwork from the films and posters from the films and interviews with the cast and stuff so I, yes i will get on that and um i saw the jurassic park dominion trailer that the new today. one that that's looks amazing absolutely amazing and <sighs> And I, I recently got a T-shirt that is so British, which says T-Rex, <laughs> and it's the the T-Rex skeleton <laughs> pouring a cup of tea. Let's see that. <laughs> For all of so, you who are absolutely fantastic, there, <laughs> Paul has a bright red T-shirt with the Jurassic Park logo and a tea kettle on it. Yeah, I am. I am not ashamed to admit that the year that I moved across the pond, my brother got me a mug with a Rex on it that says T Rex. T Rex. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Is the is the T Rex fossil smiling? I couldn't really tell because I briefly saw it. Does it look like he has a smile? No, it's, it's he's oh, okay. doing the right. same as normal. All right. All right. Well, that's a shame. That's yeah, just it's the job. They missed man. an opportunity. They, they've literally just <laughs> they, just added a teapot right um, to the they logo. They could have given a monocle. I mean, like, you know, that's <laughs> that Michael, does it? Yeah. Oh, Lord. All right. Uh -huh. So, Paul, thank you. We've, we've got you covered. It is now your turn to pick on somebody. Yeah. Um, so, Freddie, what kind have you been up to? <laughs> um, a lot of drawing. A lot, a lot of, of drawing. drawing. Okay. Uh, yeah. It's can't um... imagine that in your profession. Really. <laughs> <laughs> we've kind of like the 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 time schedule that I fell into with this was that we had a lot of lead time but then i think that that lead time led everyone into a false sense of security so now we're it, it kind of like to make up it, yeah yeah it felt like well we've got so much time nothing's in a rush and then once we realized oh wait actually that stuff needs to be done pretty quickly now we're really rushing so um that in combination with so so right now i'm i'm the artist on godzilla versus power rangers and we're working on i'm about halfway through issue two um issue one comes out in march or april so it, it's still a couple months away a month and a half two months away but um it's a five issue mini series so we it's it's a lot of drawing because there's a lot that's happening in that and then i've also got some some other artistic commitments that of th stuff that hasn't been announced yet like smaller stuff that's on the side but <clears throat> trying to coordinate all that stuff has been um a logistical challenge so uh, usually the first thing to go is sleep that that goes away and then um your numbness of the hands right <laughs> usually it's numbness to the feet because i sit with my feet tucked underneath me all the time so then oh, yeah. I'm, it's like it's time to jump up to get something and i'm like stumbling through the house and but um that's basically it i mean there's it's a lot of hours but it's really easy to summarize um the the stuff the sort of media that i usually ingest is 
documentary stuff. I just got through listening to the Ken Burns civil, mainly listening, but the Ken Burns civil war documentary, um, like about a, it's like seven hours long or something. It's a good deadline fuel, that kind of stuff. It puts you into not just that documentary, but, um, a lot of the documentaries that I listen to, it puts you into a, a state where you're mentally stimulated, but you don't have to interact much visually. You can mainly listen mm -hmm. to the facts and you occasionally glance up to, to the thing that's happening, but you can keep your eyes drawing. That's why it's very difficult. Like earlier we were talking about if I had watched any of the, uh, the Boba Fett, the book of Boba Fett, <clears throat> and not yet, I haven't gotten to that yet. So it's hard for me to watch new things. Usually it's just me listening to stuff. Um, and if you are just listening to the Mandalorian or the Book of Boba Fett, you're probably missing some stuff. <laughs> yeah, I'm <laughs> not getting so. to watch it. So, so that's, you don't necessarily that's watch it. that for the dialogue. No. All right, <laughs> I've well, heard great stuff. And what if I'm sorry? What kaiju? Uh, I can't even say it. Um, what have right, kaiju say, been up to? What have kaiju been up to? Yeah. Glad you asked. So, <laughs> um, Joe's been up to a variety of things. I did watch the book of Boba Fett. My brother is a Star Wars fan and he always loved Boba Fett. So I paid particular attention to this. I love Return of the Jedi. That was my favorite Star Wars film. I don't even mind the Ewoks. I think they're great. So when Boba Fett went into the Sarlacc, I, I just remember like, wow, that was anticlimactic. And my brother, <laughs> yeah. I, I, he never really said it, but I can sense that he kind of felt robbed that it was just that easy because this legendary bounty hunter just had it. And then, of course, you read the books later on, you know, I was like 13 or 14 year old. And you're like, oh, yeah, he did get out of the Sarlacc. Fair enough. Spoilers for those of you who haven't been reading or understanding Star Wars for like the last 20 years. But there you I, go. Did, I didn't know he got out of it actually until I saw it on the show. Yeah, well, he does. <laughs> anyway, um, the show's great. I'm not going to spoil it. Let's just say the final episode, even though it is heavily foreshadowed is very topical to this podcast we will cover it at a later date <laughs> i'm sure um i did that i finally finally had some amazing figures coming the ray harryhausen cyclops and retosaurus finally hit joe's shelves um they are from star ace in coordination with x plus and they're brilliant i got the deluxe versions of each and they are flawless. To have a Ray Harryhausen Cyclops that not only looks great, but I can actually like move his eyeball around. The eyeball <laughs> on the Cyclops is even poseable. Just like touches like that are amazing. So I can't say enough about the figures. I've, took, I've taken pictures. I have made videos of them on a turntable and I'm going to try and put these up on YouTube. Paul is currently on strike because I've given so much material and he wants me to try and learn this for myself. So in two years, Joe will have yeah. these reviews up. Um, what else have I been up to? Paul and I have uh, initiated a box challenge. Paul thinks I am hyping this up too much. You are, however, really. However, we both have boxes that remained relatively unopened for a long time. And we're going to dig out like these bits of childhood nostalgia of like dinosaurs monsters jurassic park figures what have you so really looking forward to that and then are you guys going to do a blind open or have you already kind of looked through it and prioritize what you're going to go I, through i know kind of what's in mind because i added yeah. some stuff to it um two years ago 
I was moving. So a lot of like Godzilla NECA figures, I expect to be like on the tertiary layer there. <laughs> but then when we go down, it's going to get a little more, it, it's like, you know, like an archeology span Strata, get right, more okay. nostalgic. Yeah. So that's going to be, <laughs> that's going to be fun. Um, yes, it yeah, might've been in the loft for about six years and it went pretty much straight there from my parents' house. So I, I don't know what's in mine, but it's not, I don't think it's going to be that amazing. <laughs> oh, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be great. So uh jurassic world has been very topical um this week so the trailer dropped today those dinosaurs even though they have feathers are inaccurate so there's this great meme that i saw and it was just like how not to draw draw a dinosaur for uh, movie production companies and then they showed a picture of the pyroraptor from the trailer and it was just that like pam scene that pan meme from the office She's like, what's the difference between these two pictures? She goes, oh, it's the same picture. It's the same picture. But yeah. Um, uh, oh, well, at least they have feathers. That's all I'll say. That's all I'll say. It's a step in the right direction, right? Yeah. In other also, news, okay. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, in other news, um, when you're listening to this podcast, uh, please go out and find the social media links. Um, this will probably still be topical by the time this episode drops. But Andy's Dinosaur Reviews and Collect Jurassic, go and find them, like them, subscribe them. Um, both of those accounts are lovely. They provide wonderful, detailed, thorough reviews with images, photographs of all the dinosaur collectibles from Jurassic Park. And in case of Andy's Dinosaur Reviews, just any dinosaur review in general, they're great. Unfortunately, the... Uh, toy producer Mattel went after them for reviewing unreleased, quote-unquote, or spoiler-heavy, quote-unquote, toys that might not be widely, like, understood to be released. However, they bought them from Target. So they had their accounts taken down and they've had to restart accounts. But please, like, go and like them, subscribe to them. They are great pillars in, like, the dinosaur and general monster merch community because they're quite wholesome and see that happen in our community it's not cool so get them right back up there that's me off of my preaching post now please Freddie, go ahead okay um yeah that i uh kiki and i kiki's my wife um that we have watched a few of the um <clears throat> a few episodes of power rangers like mainly from the first season and then also the best from season. It's the best yeah season. <laughs> <laughs> and it's um and then also um I was just trying to rack my brain to think of the actual name of it, but the one it's uh, it's a Godzilla film where it's a uh, Planet X, and I can't remember the exact name of the of the movie. Godzilla versus Monster Zero. Okay, yeah, the one he has where Ghidorah, they, the three headed monster. One. Yeah, 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 and they they're taken to Planet X, like the. Uh, okay, all right. So oh, yeah, okay. we just recently watched that. I mean, when I say recently, I mean about a month ago or something like that. But the Power Rangers ones, I've been watching like a YouTube playlist um, as well. So, um, and I just wanted to point out how how um, the the craftsmanship, like the amount of work that is put into the miniatures, how detailed the miniatures. And I don't, I don't know if they're called miniatures, or if they're called bigatures, bigatures, yeah, maybe something different. Um, is so it's it's so awesome to look at like that is actually um it's having it on in the itself. background it is and it, i'm not saying it's completely lost or anything but it's just with 
the shifting to CG, which I'm not even villainizing, there's practical good reasons to use CG and stuff, and that's a whole other art form in and of itself. But but seeing this other art form of using miniatures and the way that it's shot and stuff like that is, um, I don't know, it just gives me a lot of appreciation for it because it's been a while since I've really looked at that stuff. Um, sort of look at it now because it's much more relevant to the stuff that I'm drawing and putting my head in, into that space. Um, and it's also, it's like, you know, some of this stuff was from literally before I was born and it's pretty sophisticated for what they had at the time, like compositing shots and all this stuff. It was really great. It, great. It, I, I'm happy that I'm getting to see it now through a different lens because I saw a lot of these movies when I was much younger and it was, of course you can't Not the same level of appreciation. Yeah. 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 I always feel sorry for the amount of effort they put into those miniatures to then be destroyed, <laughs> which I never thought about as a kid, but well, now it's like, wow. Right. All right, so this is a tidbit of knowledge. In the original Gojira, 1954, they even had furniture on the inside, so when the buildings crumbled, you'd see furniture and stuff. Someone meticulously put that furniture in. Wow. It's probably spent ages, oh. so yeah. I mean, like, there's a lot of detail that went into those. Anyways, that wraps up what have Kaiju been up to. So now we have our Kaiju letters. Folks, we are still looking for a better name of this segment. So please, I, I love the fact that you're all writing in questions, but we need a new name. So, you know, priorities, <laughs> priorities. So I'll start off. We've got Carl writing into us. And Carl asked, topically, this is very serendipitous, what is the best practical effect you have seen from a film in the last year? I will start off because I'm going to nab this, the terror dog from Ghostbusters Afterlife. The terror dog that is eating kibble in the Walmart is a great piece of practical effects. Now it switches to CGI when it chases Paul Rudd, and then it reverts back to a practical effect when it's glaring him down on the hood of his car. This is in the trailers. I'm not spoiling anything for those of you who want to whine. But um, I thought that was a fantastic practical effect. It was also very nostalgic for me because the terror dog scared the crap out of me when I was little. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Paul, Freddie, either one of you have one that you want to call out? A great practical effect? Um, I, for me, it would be the, although I watched the, the black and white, who's the actor who played Perry Mason, uh, who was in, I can't remember, but he was in the, like the Americanized version of the original Godzilla film, the, that they inserted him as like a, a Raymond Burr. Raymond Burr, yeah. yeah. Um, so we watched that not long ago and, um, it, it's like the way that it's shot is it makes Godzilla seem absolutely horrifying. Like he's like a such because you see all of the catastrophe or the, the the collateral damage of the people who have been affected by the destruction that he's brought and um you know that's a it's like the the weight of the debris and the destruction that he's causing is done in miniature but it sells it do you get what i mean when it shows the yeah. aftermath and it shows people actually have you know they're all messed up because they basically there's like rows or cots of, of people who are trying to yeah they show the collateral damage in the original gojira yeah it, it makes him seem so much more terrifying and so the the merging of the the miniatures and the suit and everything but specifically the miniatures with because you believe that that stuff it's like you're watching an actual disaster that's happening um, so that would be my answer, I guess. Paul, what you I got? Mean, it's probably going to be the, for the, for what I've watched in the last year, it's probably when I went, when I rewatched, um, Attack the Block, 
uh, for our podcast because that had some that was a great um mix of mainly practical but also a bit of cgi over it mm-hmm. so um yeah yeah attack the block have you seen um attack the block freddy no no it's very it's um it's set in britain and um <clears throat> these aliens basically crash on our planet and there's some like i don't want to say thugs but there's there's we'll a, group of, hoodlums. We'll there, there's hoodlums. a group, a group <laughs> of youths that live in a block of flats and they're basically defending their block from these alien invaders so it's mm-hmm. very original it's very fun um but for the effects there's basically like guys in gorilla costumes for for lack of a better word that's what it is and they're kind of jumping around the furniture chasing they after make, the kids they sell it though Freddy. it's they yeah it's so like well girls. done but that's i mean that's all it really is and then um yeah it's lots of it's lots of fun uh has, um, john, has john boyega as the as the lead in it from um star wars as he's now yeah. known that's what one of his first yeah, he's really films good. he has a lot of he's very watchable he's very uh charismatic, charismatic. Yeah. yeah so next question moving on we've got dawn so she's asking a very cheeky question why was godzilla versus kong snubbed at the oscars for visual effects your thoughts probably because it had a multicultural young female cast in it (laughs) (laughs) i doubt that would be the reason i think that there's um there's just like an, an automatic if you have those characters names and title even if it's very sophisticated and actually that film was i mean i uh the the hollow earth scenes of that film were breathtaking (laughs) but i don't know how to exactly articulate this but when coming up with fight scenes fight ideas for kaiju for really really big monsters um it is difficult to sell the the scale of these monsters versus like the city or humans or whatever and so you have to you have to do you have to figure out a lot of compositional tricks <clears throat> to make that work um and there's a it's like another level of challenge or something like that it's um and the cg in that there was you know it wasn't flawless by any stretch but it was no a very i think that's probably the best version of i i don't know really how to make that movie better um I mean, I would love like the original Godzilla model or, or a, a different version. The legendary version looks good. It looks cool, but I like the the more cat slash dog face of Godzilla. Um, the one you like the, the '90s the version. version more. Yeah. Hey, so, um, yeah. So stuff like that, uh, and maybe you could curb a little bit of the human interaction. But anyway, what the I'm not trying to just critique this. I'm, what I'm saying is, those things I think get lost if you're like being able to structure. A plot that actually works and it works pretty well. It's a light. It's a lighthearted plot. You can't take it a hundred percent. No, it is serious. very lighthearted. Yeah. yeah, but it's it's solid though. I mean, uh, it's like it's it got, got that rewatchability. It's got yeah. that rewatchability. That's the mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, but when you Paul, think Oscars, you don't think God, Godzilla. Do you? It's like oh, it's a summer okay, blockbuster. Okay, I will Godzilla. say this: Transformers got a visual effects Oscar nomination. Oh well, in that case, Bay. I have no idea. So why. I am just going <laughs> to undermine your argument. <laughs> okay, I, I, that was the reason I thought. But if Transformers got one, then all right, that was a, that was a cheeky ask. We know that. Okay, but there we go. So moving on to the, the final question that I have that I have written in. So Blake is asking, are you planning another UK convention? Blake, yes, we are. We had the feelers out. 
we actually have lined up opportunities for merch. We have art, we have celebrities that are willing to come across. The thing is, is we need to know that it's safe. And until everything's removed and people can get it, can comfortably go back into being in rooms with one another in mass, yeah. we are a little bit leery. So we are just waiting for that time. But as soon as we have that, we will totally tell you. Anyways, moving on. Paul, you had another question. The, well, the questions I've got are all directed for Freddie. So, ooh, sweet. Did you we'll want just to move do on? That? To the, we'll just move yeah. on to the interview then. <laughs> so, Freddie, now is your time to shine, good sir. We're going to ask oh. you a load of questions. Okay, great. <laughs> right, yeah, Freddie. So, um, I had a few questions. I mean, I'm, I've got some myself. I'm sure Joe's got some. Oh yeah. Um, but but we'll go with the the listener questions first. So. I don't know how involved you were with this project, but do you know how it actually came about, the whole idea? <laughs> no, I don't. Um, oftentimes... I can tell you someone <laughs> was just bored. They oh, okay. <laughs> the Power Rangers fight monsters because there's a monster. We have both properties. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I don't actually know the real answer, um, but it does sure doesn't this feel like a crossover that should have happened well like, that's yeah. it it feels like yeah. quite natural when you think about it so why it is it taking very. this long and who, yeah, yeah sword is essentially <laughs> mecha godzilla anyway <laughs> i mean like that's what he is yeah but it's um so for for my interaction because i can only tell you from my perspective because i was not told like the behind the scenes yeah stuff, and it usually isn't like this like i've drawn like a lot of crossovers uh i drew batman ninja turtles he-man thundercats Injustice versus Masters of the Universe, um, and now uh, Godzilla versus Power Rangers. And I mean, my assumption is that there's a long period of negotiating ahead of time to discuss specifics on how long it would be, if it's viable, are there additional volumes or sequels, and if there's a cap to that, all, the, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it's also discussed who would do the actual publication and all that. But I'm not privy to any of that stuff. For me, <laughs> it's, it's, I, you know, for uh, Godzilla versus Power Rangers, I had gone to, um, so right before Godzilla versus Power Rangers, I uh, had done a convention at Granite, uh, it's um, Granite Con in New Hampshire. It's mainly a Ninja Turtles centered uh, convention. I only did two conventions last year, 2021. Um, and that was the, that was one of them. It was like in late September. And I, on the flight home, I didn't know it, but I had just received two emails almost back to back. One was offering me to draw a Transformers project, and one was offering for me to draw the Godzilla versus Power Rangers uh, project. And uh, talk about a hard decision because I want to draw both. I mean, if I mean, I can't completely give up sleep, but I wish I could just to <laughs> just to draw these both. But um, so after we all talked, these were different editors that had, had offered me um, the jobs. Um, you know, we decided, hey, let's do, let's, let's give it a shot with the Godzilla versus Power Rangers. And that was, let me see, maybe early October, October 4th, something, third or 4th, something like that. So, um, and what I had heard was that Toho had seen, I had drawn a, um, a Godzilla, so this was a commission. I drew a, a commission of Godzilla versus He-Man and Lionel. And I'll send you one of, I'll send you this commission, awesome. put it up on screen. And um, I guess somebody from Toho, and I don't know who, but whoever it is, thank you, uh, saw that and said that they liked the level of like scale of destruction and sort of like the, how uh, scary or intimidating Godzilla looked in it. So they, they asked, 
IDW, if I was an artist that they'd worked for, and I've done a ton of stuff for them, uh, mainly covers and stuff, um, but I also did the Batman Ninja Turtles crossover. So uh, anyway, that's how I got brought up and stuff that there's a lot of stuff that would have happened you know, basically they would have already had to have come to an agreement by that point, Toho, yeah. Boom Studios and IDW. So three big companies, which is a miracle that an agreement was reached because big companies with big IPs like that, um, it's a lot of discussions, you know, that are involved. So in any case, that's as much as I know. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and as soon as I started working on it, it was like a, I mean, really that I'm getting to draw every type of cool thing all at once in one series because I'm getting to draw cool martial arts stuff, cool robot stuff, cool big action, cool collateral damage and kaiju. Um, I love the aesthetics of a lot of like the, you know, 1960s high tech futuristic stuff that now looks kind of dated, but I love that stuff. I love, I, I love the look of the ray guns and the, the technology of some of the spaceships and stuff. So um, anyway, that's, um that's a rambling answer but the best i can <laughs> the best way i can try to there answer you go, yeah yeah awesome and i'm guessing this might be something you can't talk about but um was the, the title is godzilla versus power rangers mm -hmm. um one of this as tom was saying in godzilla king of monsters you know um when he's kind of beaten mothra sacrifices herself to, to power him up are there going to be any other toho kaiju that might be able to support godzilla in this battle there are some other, it's not just Godzilla who, who shows up. There's more from the Toho universe or the, you know, the awesome. universe. So, yeah. Oh, that's yes. very cool. Yes. <laughs> I, hopefully they're not just the same big three. There we go. <laughs> the favorites. <laughs> um, and no comments. Uh, so you, you said it was today. You've just said that you would, you know, you were torn between um obviously transformers and godzilla so what what yeah. was kind of your dream mashup if, if you could cross over the two two different universes oh to bring transformers into this well no to bring anything i mean would you like to do oh. godzilla versus transformers or kong versus cloverfield or you know what what, what would you love to do <laughs> kong versus cloverfield that's funny um i don't uh geez it would be some epic 10 year long um <laughs> magnum opus where it would be you know the ninja turtles and gi joe and transformers and silver hawks and thunder oh, wow just like and, everything and you watched Godzilla. as a child coming together yeah because i think it's possible to do that it would just be i think it's just the logistics are impossible but i would love to dedicate like the next decade of my life to uh <laughs> doing what i can to make that a reality um I got real. I mean, when growing up, these things never seemed like a possibility for me. I think I'm older than both of you guys, so the idea of of actually having a a comic book or any sort of medium um, that would allow for these things to cross over it just feels like an impossibility. So every time it happens that I'm involved with it, it feels like a little another miracle, you know, that I'm getting yeah. to hop around from miracle to miracle. It's um, I'm I'm very lucky that I get to draw this kind of stuff. So the biggest version of that would be to cross them over into like a mega crossover um and each of those universes usually have some sort of um universe breaking technology or magic that would allow that kind of thing to happen yeah so i'm not sure how to you know there would be some writer who would have to make all that work because i couldn't do it <laughs> but i'd love to draw that so. So, <laughs> some I mean, mega thing 
Yeah, I mean, when, when I heard that question, it got me thinking, and I don't know how many Godzilla films you've seen, um, but there's one called um, Godzilla versus the Smog Monster, or Godzilla versus Adora, mm -hmm. which is this okay. giant pollution monster. <laughs> and I was just, and uh, Joe's, Joe's just shaking his head here at this. But Alex isn't here. Why do you keep bringing this? But up? imagine this: Hedora versus Captain Planet. I okay. love okay. Captain Planet and the Planet is. Okay. <laughs> I would do it. Okay, you sold it. Yeah, I would. Yeah. I mean, he I'm could get big like Ultraman in the end for a battle. I mean, it's... <laughs> Toho, if you're listening, so, I mean, if you're listening, you need to make Hedora versus <laughs> Captain Planet happen. If, if there's, that's our takeaway from this episode right there: Hedora versus Captain Planet. Done. <laughs> well, um, no excuse. I, yeah. There we go. We, <laughs> this project is already half done. We just <laughs> it's right. already half done. <laughs> there we go. Oh, so they're, they're the list of questions I have. Um, I don't know. Did you want to shoot some? I can shoot some, or do you want to take a break? <laughs> I ha I have I have some questions. So you've previously mentioned that you've been watching Godzilla films mm -hmm. for this project. What's been your biggest influence so far? Um, it's it's actually been um, like us the emotional what I felt uh, of watching the Americanized version of the first Godzilla film with Raymond Burr in it and stuff. Um, I mean, his parts are essentially unnecessary, but um, what I'm getting at is that the somberness of that. Um, that's like a, a baseline foundation as far as an inspiration that I want it to feel dangerous and ominous and stuff. Um, aside from that, as far as, uh, let me see, it's the way that I've described it is that I want Godzilla to feel like a hurricane with eyes. So it's not, not everything. It, it's, it would be completely terrifying to be anywhere near, you know, like whenever you see a volcano, like in real life, if you saw a volcano and it was erupting, it's it's horrifying, but you know if you steer clear of that area, you know that that you yeah Godzilla's are, got a radius on him. He's got a radius, you know? yeah, and he's moving, and you his his motivations might be inscrutable to you. So he's got thoughts going on, and and you hope he never sees you. <laughs> like you would be like, oh my god, he just looked right at me. That would be the most terrifying thing. So um, anyway, um, the the planet. Uh, okay, so the oh my god i'm drawing a blank on sorry but you're uh, going ultraman to the, the, um, what's that i was gonna say if you're talking about the one where he goes to the planet that's monster zero yes yeah you got, some, say, you got some you got the nerds here to help back you up so okay, don't worry about it. <laughs> um but what i was gonna say is so that to me like whenever i was watching that with kiki um about a month or so ago um i found myself very charmed by that and it was taking itself quite seriously as far as the tone and, and the acting performances of the characters and stuff. Um, and that's probably, you know, the, where it's not trying to be completely realistic, but the characters themselves are taking it seriously. Well, I'm, I'm drawing the characters as if they take it seriously, if that, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Um, whenever I was watching the Ultraman thing, I think we watched that um, right around Thanksgiving, um, the tail slide that <clears throat> the Godzilla Oh, you're does. talking yeah. about Godzilla versus Megalon. Oh, Megalon, yeah. Uh, That's yeah. Jaguar. Oh, yeah. I, okay, the 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 theme song just popped into my mind. Yeah, because he has like he just has like a circuit, like an adaptation circuit, and it just allows him to grow big because it will help his survival or whatever it is. Yeah, sure, why not? Um, yeah. Jaguar is a fan. Jaguar is a fan favorite. So 
if you've read the previous IDW ones, Rulers of Earth that Matt Frank uh, did, uh, Matt's a huge fan of Jet Jaguar, and he had definitely had some creative influence here. But at one point, he flies into a monster, and then he goes big, and that's how the monster is defeated. Oh, geez. That it's icky, but it's effective. <laughs> right. It's that whole Ant-Man-Thanos thing that evolved later on. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I, yeah. Yeah, my, my good friend named Pat was telling me about the, the Ant-Man-Thanos thing. And he it's like, I because I was totally outside of, I'm, I'm for the most part outside of meme culture. I don't really pay much attention to it because it's hard to actually devote my eyes to it. I have to be drawing. And so he was trying to explain it to me in a way that I, he was laughing his head off. And I was just going like, okay, because <laughs> I, you know, you have to be there. You have to actually be on the journey with the memes for it to make sense or to be really funny. So, um Anyway, but what I was going to say is with uh, Jet Jaguar, Jet, <laughs> that 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 movie is hilarious. I love it. Is but it? That's the <laughs> no, no. It, it is to me. We okay, were they're, de they're definitely okay. funny moments. <laughs> but like that's the that to me was the that's the antithesis of what it is that I'm wanting to do. It's fun and it's cute. Um, yeah. but I'm wanting to steer clear of that. Like there's, there's a little bit of a cheekiness as far as the, the tone of the world, the physics of the world, but, um, everybody in, I'm talking about in Godzilla versus Power Rangers, there's a bit of a cheekiness where it's not hundred percent real, but the characters feel like it's real and they feel like there's big stakes in it. So, um, that's the best I can describe it, I guess. I feel like I want to ask you this now, based on what you've described, you know, you, you want to go for that serious tone. You want Godzilla to be a force of nature. Have you clocked eyes on Godzilla 1985? No, no, I don't think so. Not okay. unless it was when I was a lot younger. But. There are fans that are going to be listening to what you just said. It's just like, oh, he needs to watch that film. Mm -hmm. So Godzilla 1985 is essentially a remake of the original. Raymond, oh, okay. Bur Raymond Burr even came back for it. Mm -hmm. it's, it's meant to skip over every hokey thing they did in the <laughs> 60s and 70s. Okay. And then it is like, he is a death mountain of evil and there's no stopping him. <laughs> and it's really good because they made him badass. Yeah. Basically, the way that they have to stop him is they have to lure him to a volcano. Mm -hmm. He gets caught in the eruption and gets locked in. And even then, the scientists are like, it's not gonna kill him. Mm -hmm. He's gonna be back. Mm -hmm. It's just like, oh yeah, that sounds is, very it is, ominous. It is dark. It is yeah. so dark. It is right <laughs> up your street for this for this Great. characterization you're doing. Yeah. And I think you can get it on Blu-ray in the United States for a whopping five, ten dollars. So I hardly recommend that. It was done at the height of the Cold War, too. So there's a lot of great undertones with that. Yeah, yeah, undertones there. But uh yeah, go for that one. But I feel like just like what you're saying, that's the film you're looking for in Godzilla's. Cool. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. Uh, Toho had given me a whole bunch of reference material, of like oh three different. No, in a good way. In a good <laughs> way. I know, I know, I know. It's just like, let's see. Um, it's going to be one with Mothra, one with Ghidorah, <laughs> one with Mechagodzilla. Oh, no, no. Uh, I mean, real extensive series of JPEGs, some of which were behind the scenes stuff from oh, a long time ago. That's how public, I'm sure. But um, like there was three different versions that basically it's like a style uh, style guide um, mm -hmm. where I could choose of these three versions and each of them had a name, but I just don't know them off the top of my head. But basically I could I could choose which one that I wanted to draw. And then they, there was like another version. They were like steer clear as far as you can from this other version. I'm not going to name it because, I, you know, um, but uh, so that's, that's where I'm drawing 
I have like an extensive uh, reference folder that I'm looking at reference for this version of Godzilla at all times. Um, that's the main place that I'm getting the, I don't know, the, the visual continuity from. Okay, yeah, that's it, because there's so many different Godzilla suits yes. they've had. I've also wondering how, yeah. how they, you know, how much creative freedom you're, you're kind of allowed with with yeah. that license, yeah. And a, and a moment ago, I misspoke. What I meant was there's small iterations, small differences in some of these versions um, mm -hmm. that if, you know, it would be easy to accidentally draw the wrong version of the body type or the right, okay. wrong, wrong version. There's like a series of circular, almost like, um, um, to just, like, that's true, but like the way that they move, but also just when you're drawing something like an arm is like a series, like a softball shape and then two oh, cylinders okay. that get big. So um, when thinking of Godzilla's face, I can picture the shape in my brain and then there's like a series of oval His shapes. facial musculature. Go, yeah, it's like oval, oval, and then there's another one. It, I mean, in my mind, it makes sense, but I just probably look crazy. Uh, like, and then the, the, even the direction of the way that the lips curl around the nose, like all that stuff is really important. Uh, and so that's what I want to make sure I don't get wrong. That was, <laughs> that was the main thing is, so I did a lot of preparatory sketches and stuff like that to make sure, and then got feedback from, from Toho to make sure that I was on the right path. And then, you know, course corrected on some of this, from some of the sketches. And I just want to make sure I'm, I'm, you know, hitting the mark. So. There we go. And with that, we will take our first break, ladies and gentlemen. Stay tuned and come back for part two. Hello and welcome back to part two of Kaiju Curry House. It's me, myself, Paul, Smokey Joe, and Freddie Williams talking about Godzilla versus Power Rangers. So, Freddie, I don't know if you watched Power Rangers and Godzilla as a child. I'm guessing you've had to watch a lot of them recently. <laughs> Have you... <laughs> okay, sorry. Go no, ahead. No, no, carry, carry on. What are you going to say? Okay, so I'm interrupting your question. I apologize for that, but because um, I, I just wanted to describe my my experience, my early experiences with both of those uh, properties. So with um, with Godzilla, I remember watching late night reruns, just whatever was on TV, and Godzilla would be on there. And it was usually whenever I was sick and had like a fever where I'd be up late because you can't really sleep and you're kind of in and out of consciousness and stuff. And so um, there was something about the surreal nature of what, you know, what I was experiencing because I'm half asleep and I'm kind of sick and watching the movie that made Godzilla seem more ominous and frightening because yeah. it it, it, was, it lended itself to make you know the dreamlike logic made it feel more real because i was half feverish or whatever it was um also there was um uh i'm not you know like my my family aren't particularly close you know uh so but there was this one time where like me my sister and my mom went over to my my aunt's house and then her all her kids were there she had like four kids and all of us together it, this is so unusual for us to all get together as a big family and there was a Godzilla film on and we and it was like with all these commercial breaks or maybe there was multiple Godzilla movies back to back or both I can't remember but you know when there's a lot of commercial breaks because it's network television it makes the movie last like 10 hours it's like it's playing all day yeah uh and like we ordered pizza and we we're just you know having a good time it was like um one of the few you know really good family experiences that I have in my history and so I associate Godzilla with both being terrifying and then also with this really pleasant family experience um so that's me with godzilla also kiki's a real big godzilla fan and so there's been 
times whenever I'm drawing or something that if she'll come over and look on, look past me at what I'm drawing and she'll like her approval means a lot. She's like, Oh, he looks really, Godzilla looks really cool there. And I'm like, all right, cool. Um, because I, because Kiki would tell me if, if it didn't look good, she'd be is like, Kiki, is Kiki here right now? I feel like we need to uh, She's her. in a different room. She's been making herself, uh, she's actually working on some, making some face masks um, for some friends of ours. So um, she's in a different part of the house upstairs. So. Barbara, uh, it'll be it will be fun to call her in. Um, she, <laughs> Kiki is one is is an awesome person. She's my best friend and stuff. But she is so shy with interviews and with video being on video and stuff. I I, I know the she, type. Yeah, she she is Mine. not into that at all. Yeah. Um. So you know what I'm talking about. Then it's it's it would be she would be like hi and you see like this much of her hand. <laughs> as she's walking out of the <laughs> um. And then with Power Rangers, uh, Power Rangers came out whenever I was in high school, uh, and so it would it would show like early in the morning at least this is my experience with it maybe it had a different time slot or maybe i was watching reruns or something but the way that the episodes are structured like the first 10 or 15 minutes are a lot of setup and although you might have some action really the act the, the big action didn't really happen until later in the episode this is just be the structure you know the formula uh, of the episode and so um the power rangers would come on before right before i had to go catch the bus so i had to like walk down the block or whatever and so i almost always missed, I'm talking about when I was in high school, almost always missed like the latter half of the episode um, or maybe even three fourths of the episode. So I remember once, because I was interested and I, it was like from the introduction and I would occasionally see more of the characters of the fight scenes or something, but I, uh, it's like I left with the impression when I was in high school thinking, uh, you know, Power Rangers doesn't have a lot of action in it. Like that was actually my, <laughs> yeah. because I had watched like a season of the first 10 minutes of every episode or something, you know, something like that. Um, and talk about a really skewed, strange perspective to have. Yeah, you, on... you, you thought it was about a bunch of teenagers. <laughs> it was, that's bar. it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like, yeah, they're just walking around, they start to get into an adventure. And then for some reason, I don't know whatever happened. You know, it's like, because I had to leave and, and go to school. So um, that was, you know, I'm, I'm sure people who were like, further down in the bus stop schedule got to see more of that of each episode but i was towards the beginning of the the bus schedule or the bus uh, pattern so i was being picked up after only the first 10 minutes of the show so anyway uh i i remember thinking that the green ranger was awesome but i didn't really have a lot of context this is back when i was in high school still i was gonna say um, i was about to ask you know that was one of my questions who's your, who's your favorite yeah <laughs> yeah well um my favorite is actually is the red ranger is uh jason but i i mean the green rangers he's like um he's like the wolverine of the group or something uh if if there is a wolverine of the group that's probably a bad analogy because he's still like a good guy but you know he's not like he's, a the, he's the edgier one yeah. he's the edgier one but i like i'm drawn to like leaders and leadership so jason is still the pure-hearted leader yeah yeah, yeah. for the so, D, D folks out there jason would be like a paladin yeah yeah <laughs> lawful good all the way yep lawful um, good so anyway uh that that was my experience with them now since then i've i've rectified my understanding of what power rangers is and i've watched more full episodes um rather than just the first 10 minutes so have you had to watch quite a lot for research or just a few I mean, how, have you like binged the whole first season or something no i haven't binged the whole, the whole first season um <laughs> the first season of mighty Morphin power rangers is that's like, a lot of episodes. like 70 episodes or something isn't <laughs> yeah. it is it really is yeah it there's really? a lot <laughs> oh wow no, i haven't gotten through that many uh i've been watching 
so it was it's more like um having on an episode or two in the background on on youtube because there's like playlists and stuff and then uh, in the playlist there'll be like a comparison of super sentai par parts of super sentai versus power rangers so then that will be playing in the background for a little while and then um uh, like then whenever dragons you know i i need to draw something with the dragon sword uh and then i'll look up reference so that i can get a better understanding of exactly what I need to draw or how I can make a comic okay. book interpretation of what happened in the TV show. Um, <clears throat> so that's that's my more recent experience with it. But I got to tell you, when they're when they're actually fighting and every hit, you know, there's like sparks that fly out and then there's like somebody spinning uh, when they fall. Um, and the you know obviously it was more of like a tv show budget but the even the miniatures were still great and the the fight choreography and also really really smart editing to pieces fight scenes together because um when i was much younger i didn't think about that stuff but it's like now you know even the way that a, an artist will draw a scene sometimes you know if you don't have a lot of time you have to you have to kind of cheat the scene now i don't mean where you draw things improperly in that way of a cheat um, but it's similar to if you've ever been in theater, like, you know, if the, if the audience is out that way and you're talking to someone that's actually further back on the stage, you, you cheat to the, to the audience. You so, have a different profile. Yeah. Yeah. You, you want to face them. You want to face them and then you turn your head, but you don't even really turn your head the full distance to, you know, you've indicated that you're pointing your body, but you're still mostly projecting to the audience. Um, so you cheat a lot for the camera. Um, whenever you're drawing for comics or you know watching a TV show or whatever, and uh, Super Sentai and then later Power Rangers was you know really good at that where they were piecing together really old footage and newer footage and even newer footage after that you know cutting it all together to make these fight scenes out of sometimes nothing really uh, but a you mishmash, can see yeah yeah it's like somebody's been damaged the Zord's been damaged and then they just cut to you know a shot like a worm's eye view of one of the rangers you know jumping over the camera so you yeah your brain fills in that he's just ejected himself from the zord to get out but you don't it's not like you saw a compartment open and him come up out of the cockpit um but you know what has happened because of how it's been cut together and the directionality of the action all that stuff is very i love that kind of stuff um it informs comic books of, of course as well the way you stage action and make sure that the eye flow works whatever but um that's the kind of stuff that so this is it's like listen you know watching and listening to movies and tv shows that's more of my experience is that i'm constantly dissecting to understand how i'm feeling the way i'm feeling or how they're trying to make me feel and what mechanisms the editor and and the director of photography or whatever um ha has used to, to stitch that together if that makes sense that's that's how my brain works more than usually than actually enjoying it for the media that it is i can't turn that part of my brain off i'm i'm always dissecting it um so uh but i still find that really interesting it's just not really the intent of it you yeah. know it's um different than what i'm supposed to be experiencing uh, it's hard to describe so so actually yes yeah, so talking about the editing of the of the show and how that can, can go to comment i'm wondering now so are you given you're not given a script as I, how do you get a story and turn that into <laughs> pictures? I mean, do they say, can you draw this other, do they just say Godzilla fights Dragon Zord and then you just go to town and do it how you want to do it? I mean, how, how does that work? What I want them to say is Godzilla fights Dragon Zord and you have 20 pages to draw and then I can just draw whatever <laughs> I want for 20 pages. That would be awesome. Um, it's a combination. Uh, there's, 
in comic books, there's two main ways that that a, a writer can communicate what they want for the artist to draw. One is called the plot method. It's also called the Marvel method because Stanley and Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko and all the, the, the greats, the legends pioneered that back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, whatever, um, where <clears throat> the writer gives you a very brief synopsis of what needs to happen uh like a, a paragraph or maybe two paragraphs of what needs to happen in this issue and where it starts kind of where it ends like what the results need to be and then where the fight scenes are or whatever you know in the process this guy needs to find this amulet and he also gets his leg caught in a bear trap or whatever happens and then uh <laughs> that's a terrible example <laughs> uh, but <laughs> the mystical bear trap that we all know about and uh, then it's up to the artist to figure out how exactly like what series of images do you draw um and you know does he how did he get into the uh the temple to find the bear trap or whatever it is so it, you know the artist is filling in a lot of blanks the advantage of that is it's much faster for the writer up front it gives a lot of creative freedom to the artist so if the artist is able to draw a cool looking story and knows how to you know intellectually or in a smart way cut from scene to scene or something uh, then they might come up with some really interesting solutions to these problems in the storytelling um, and then the writer will do another pass after the artwork comes in and just adds dialogue and they'll say like, uh, I guess he looks, the character looks confused here, so I'll, I'll act like he's saying something that he's confused, you know, he'll say, you know, how did I get into this house, you know, whatever it is that, um, so yeah. Stanley and Jack Kirby did a lot of that stuff because Stanley needed to write like 10 books at a time and so he was leaning heavily on the artist to, to do the heavy lifting on the communication. Okay. Uh, the other version, sorry, go ahead. No, it's just that's really interesting. Oh, okay. <laughs> then the other version of a of a script typically is called a full script, which looks a lot more like um like a screenplay. It'll say page one, six panels, panel one. It's a bird's eye view of this, you know, of see of that's how I would have to operate. I couldn't do it the other way. Right. Um, well, the and then it'll say, you know, panel two. Uh now we cut from the bird's eye view of Angel Grove to you know, um, the dojo where the, you know, where the Power Rangers in their civilian form are yeah. practicing or whatever. <clears throat> um, and then it'll say exactly the dialogue and the captions that need to, to take place in that. And uh, those are the two main versions that the, the way that I prefer to work, and it depends on the dynamic between you and the writer, is a kind of a combination of those where the writer will give me as much information as they want to give me. So they'll give me a full script if that's what they prefer um and then but with the freedom that if i have an idea of how i can combine shots together or if i feel like something needs to be added where i can add the pacing like to draw it out a little bit more for suspense or something that the writer and so far every, every writer i've worked with has been open to this type of stuff will be accepting of those types of changes because i'm not changing the story i'm just changing the pacing like um so um, an example sometimes I've used is back whenever I was drawing, you know, uh, Robin, uh, Batman sidekick is like um, in, you know, there was a panel that was written where, or a series of panels where Robin throws a grenade and then he needs to shield himself from the explosion because he blew open a door or something like that. And, you know, you could potentially draw like a close up of his hand holding the grenade or the, the whatever exploding pellets or something. Um, then draw like a close up of his whole body, throwing it, and then draw them landing in the doorway, and then an explosion, and then another panel of him covering his face with his cape or something. Um, or you can communicate. So that would be like maybe a whole page that you have to fill up to just tell that 
very subtle small story yeah. or that that action um but the what i would probably prefer is i could communicate most of that in like one large image so there would be a large image that he has already thrown like his hand is is in a position he's doing like a spin can, move and going back with his cape. and with his cape up but then you add like an overlapping small what's called an inset panel over the top of it where you maybe show a close-up of what was in his hand but it's so small were a word balloon couldn't fit into that but you've just established you have this big anchor panel that hopefully is dynamic and well drawn but then you have a few contextual panels that help to give context to what has the, the bigger image is about um even if it's not written like that exactly so that <laughs> and then you know not not every decision that i've made is correct so i'll usually send the rough layouts so i've read the script i've thought of some ideas to change up the pacing I'll create rough layouts, which are very poorly drawn things that just communicate the, the basic idea of the shape of a panel and, and the uh, composition. And then I'll show that to the writer and say, are you cool with these changes? Because maybe they've they had an idea or the way they've written it was for a good reason. And I missed what they were trying to hit or what they were trying to go for. And I me changing the pacing was a mistake. And then they have a chance to tell me, well, the reason I wanted this was for this reason, and then we'll we'll, we'll compromise or we'll talk about it. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, so there's a back and forth. Um, and you're drawing as fast as you can <laughs> because it's usually a tight deadline and there's just a lot to draw because there's a lot of these characters and a lot of detail and stuff to add. That's really fantastic to know. I really like, I mean, I'd never thought of it that way. Like the illustrator plays such a huge part in the pacing of the actual comic where you have a writer, you know, conceivably comes up with a lot of the plot elements and whatnot but Definitely, it is you yeah. the it is you the artist who actually takes the lead in a sense to pace the comic as to where it's going that's really cool I, yeah I, the, the hope is always to achieve the, the vision yeah exactly to achieve the to execute the vision of the writer in a way that i've put it through my own stylization but as long as i haven't over stylized or sidelined an emotional beat that we were supposed to hit or something like that so um and and usually the the most of the the feedback I get from writers are, um, hey, the, you know, uh, it makes me look better too because usually the writers will see if if I've come up with an interesting twist on it where I've told it in a way visually that they didn't exactly think of but it still accomplishes it and hopefully it's a, a really flashy image as well, uh, then it makes us both look good because it's executing their idea but hopefully in a way that has a lot of style or you know oomph to it. So I have a question now comic book yeah who is your favorite comic book creator like who who's your go-to person oh boy uh i don't know if i could say one I mean, there's a long list because there's like some we do top two are... can you nail it to two <laughs> um well there's a long list of people who are like excellent at drawing and i love their style but maybe there's another person another artist who is better at storytelling like guiding the eye through the page but their mm -hmm. drawing is more simple or something so uh the long list of artists that i look at are um jim lee arthur adams wendy penny um she she drew elf quest back in like the 70s but she was an influential i mean if if you haven't seen elf quest i would recommend going to see it it um or, or save it to the end to save it to the it. end save it to the end Save what? We've got, we got recommendations at the end. Oh, okay. Save right. it. <laughs> um, Travis Charest, who was a Wildstorm artist who did was prolific in like the early 90s. 
uh, Mike Mignola, Frank Miller, um, Kevin Eastman, who is also an awesome person in, in, in life, if you meet him as well, but um, who co-created the Ninja Turtles and stuff like that. He has an excellent sense of, of uh, dynamic storytelling and stuff. And one night we were working together on a, on a project and I had, <clears throat> uh, I was working in his, his home studio and I was talking about how, how much I loved his, his eye flow and the dynamics that, um, cause I've been studying his storytelling and the old Ninja Turtle comics since I was a kid. The original Ninja Turtle and, comics are awesome. Yeah, and I don't and, think enough people have seen them to understand how far the Ninja Turtles have gone. <laughs> They're fantastic. Yeah. The, that's what I'm heavily inspired by is the, the original Mirage Turtles. But I was, you know, I was complimenting him on some stuff that to me, I'm, I'm trying to dissect and understand as a formula to inform my own decisions. Because sometimes you make a gut instinct uh, or um, you're doing something that just feels right. But then other times if something that the other side of that is sometimes either you're really tired, like I am, uh, and so your inspiration isn't hitting. You need something, you, you need a way to inform your, like what direction you go into. So then you have to understand formulas that you've seen in the past and even if you don't draw the exact same thing, it's like maybe in a composition you saw that looked really awesome when you were younger, there was like a really cool shot of like a car driving through, a, you know, a, a stained glass window or something. And the, the, the angle that it's drawn at and how big the panel is on the page, those things are what seems so cool to you. So maybe when you draw something that's Spider-Man, you know, swinging through a city, in a way it's the same composition, and you can try to incorporate what is it about that, that car driving through the window that seems so cool and how can I apply that to the Spider-Man image or whatever it is that you're drawing. Um, so you have to use both inspiration and formulas or your ability to dissect things um, as much as you can. Uh, but the point that I'm making is that I was complimenting um, Kevin on these formulas that I thought I was recognizing in his artwork. <clears throat> and he, he goes, oh, thanks. Uh, you know, you're, you're kind of assuming that I know what the hell I'm doing <laughs> because he works a lot from what his gut is telling him and maybe hasn't analyzed it in the same way that me or another artist has, has analyzed his work. So um, anyway, uh, that's a, that's a long winded explanation, but there's, there's an awful lot of artists that I, you know, Joe Med, uh, Maduria, Maduria, and um, let me see. Uh, let me just look back here. Oh, uh, Lineal U, Lionel Francis U or Lineal U. Uh, I got like a big, oh, J. Scott Campbell. I've got like a bunch of reference comics behind me, stuff that I flip through all the time. And um, I don't know. What's your comfort comic? Do you have a comfort comic that you go to and read all the time? I'm kind of getting Ninja Turtle vibes here. Oh, sure. Yeah. Ninja Turtles would be up there. Um, I mean, one that's within arm's reach is, let's see, there's a Ninja Turtle. Um, this is like the first issue of the Ninja Turtles, but it's oh, called Artis awesome. Artisan Edition. So it has... Um, like early it has like these are like the preliminary sketches the the rough layouts that Kevin Eastman and Peter both did um but it was mainly I think a lot of these are, are Kevin because he has such a great sense of design so these are like you know you can almost see like I think there's a phone number in the <laughs> in the seam of this I, I'm saying that these are like you know high-res scans or photographs of the original 1982 or whatever rough layouts that that they worked on um so that's like at the front of the book it's like for the whole first issue you get all these sketches they look awesome and then when you flip and you get to the middle section of the book it's the whole comic again but it's their black and white contour line inking um 
of the whole comic book. So now you see it with all the word balloons and it, it's like good high res uh, scans of that stuff. And then when you keep going, you see the whole issue again, but with the grayscale values that have been added, this is called Duo Shade. It's like a- Wow. Back in that's, the old that's, days. That's a cool book. It yeah. is. Um, back in the old days, there was, you know, uh, printing technology wasn't as advanced as it is now. So <clears throat> the way to get grayscale or something that looks gray in the way that comic books were printed, you needed a bunch of fine little lines or a dot, which is called, um, the, they have like dot screens that were called Zipatone or, uh, or Duo Shade is what this stuff is called. It's like, if you look really close, it's a bunch of small lines. It's not, uh, mm -hmm. I'll have to like send you an image, a close up image of what it looks like because you, you wouldn't be able to see it if I, even if I held it up to the screen or the monitor. But um, that's how you get the grayscale is that that type of paper isn't made anymore um, because it was an artifact that, you know, of that time period. Nowadays, printing technology is so sophisticated, they don't need that. They can actually print really subtle grayscale uh, artwork. So anyway, this is a, a great book, um, but I've got a lot of books back here that I look at quite a bit. Um, I look at a lot of Jim Lee's stuff and I always have, because that was, uh, you and I were talking earlier um, about, you know, toys. I was, I, I don't know if you guys had this part recorded or if we were just chatting, but where, you know, whenever I was about 13 or so, I, you know, we had had a garage sale where I sold a bunch of my Thundercats and He-Man and, and G.I. Joe stuff. And the money I got from that, we went up to a convenience store and I spent that money on the first comic books that that really gripped me um, and got me into wanting to draw comics for a living. And because I was just feeling really inspired by it. It was uh, and those were Jim Lee X-Men issues. X-Men 272 during the Extinction Agenda uh, was the name of the book or the, the name of the miniseries. And um, that was like one of the. We're trying to Very think back. Is that, is that Mr. Sinister or is that um, the Sentinels? Um, or am I, or am I, or am I, or am I clocking that wrong? <laughs> um, Mr. Sinister was like, um, was not involved in this, but uh, Genosha, which is like an, uh, yeah, a, a the fictional mutant, the mutant Nash nation or whatever, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's like a fictional nation that was hunting down and trying to, to kill or put on trial and have them killed or whatever the X-Men and X-Factor and X-Force and everybody. Um, but the, the point that I'm making is that, you know, th those books, looking through them again will sometimes just feel inspiring because it rekindles those feelings from whenever I was at a very creative point in my life um, or, you know, a time that it was feeling very inspired. Uh, and then sometimes also you'll, you know, you're not even, I'm not even looking for a specific answer to a, a question that I have, but there's something, a layout that I'm working on. It's not really working out because the, the layout is not, there's something that's not really jazzing me about it. It's not, it's not um, innovative or interesting enough. And so just pick up a random comic book and start flipping through it. And oftentimes, like I was saying, you know, like the spatial relationship of the way that somebody has drawn like a close-up, the juxtaposition of like a foreground element versus a background element that will break open a part of my brain that I'm like, oh, I could do it like that. Even if you're not drawing a human, you could be, you know, their composition maybe showed, you know, two human figures, but for me, it's more like I'm going to show the destruction this large in the frame, similar to the way they drew that foreground element. And then, you know, you, do you get what I'm yeah. saying? Like it pops your brain to just work in a different, to think in a different way. So very, that's very awesome. Interesting and useful <laughs> in that way.
will that question work? I've learned so much about comic layout. <laughs> I know it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> this, this, yeah. I mean, like this is things I'm like fully educated you read, now. You, you read comics and you just, I mean, like, think, I'm sorry, you? but you don't think about that. You don't think like, like I enjoy the story. I love the art, but I never think of like the pacing why that layout looks the way it does i'd be like I've, i feel like i've really learned a lot here this is great <laughs> this is fantastic this is good stuff yeah. thanks good I, I, that's the kind of that is stuff i can obviously just ramble on and on about so hopefully it didn't go on too long um but that's that's where you know my brain is most of my life because these are it's a it takes a lot of hours throughout your you know the month or whatever to draw the comic book so um that's where a lot of I'll start getting really excited about those types of things in the the creation of comic books less so about like you know at a panel somebody raises their hand and like um who would win between batman and superman <laughs> well, now superman, that's a total, obviously i don't <laughs> i always say it depends on who's writing it because it, it does it depends on who's it does it. yeah um but uh i and that is still a valid question but for me it's it's it would be like you know that doesn't so much matter to me it's more about how would i make that fight scene look really interesting and if the, the the writer has written it in a way that makes it complex or strange how could i convey that in a way that really pops you know compositionally or um cool interesting energy effects or the way debris is breaking and, and guiding your eye off the page or you know that's the kind of stuff that gets me excited that's really awesome well we're gonna have to conclude this episode now as fun as it has truly been, <laughs> but we are going to talk about recommendations now. So yeah. you've listened all through this episode and now your fabulous hosts and guests are going to recommend things that we thought about during this episode that you may enjoy. Freddie, I will let you go first. Oh, so. about things to recommend? Yeah, um, let's see. I mean, I've always been a real big fan of uh, ElfQuest, which is a book that I mean, it came out in the 70s, uh, but it was, I mean, visually ahead of its time, uh, and it might be hard to appreciate that if, uh, but it has like, it's drawn by an American artist, Wendy Penny, but she was bringing in manga and Disney influences at a time where that wasn't uh, nearly as popular as it is now. So she was way ahead of her time on that. And I still think that the artwork looks pretty fresh for it being 40 years old or however old it is. Um, and that's that's a big compliment to her so it's uh i would reckon and there's a lot of material out there she's an uncredited Quest. revolutionary um yeah that's a that's a good phrase <laughs> yeah i was gonna say she's an excellent artist who you know the elf quest book or the series uh helped get kiki and i together i found out that she was an elf quest fan and i was too and i'd never heard anybody else talk about it but when it came up we were like oh my god like you're into elf quest too you you even know what it is and we you know we both are you know admire the series uh, and there's a lot of material of it but because it's never been adapted into a cartoon or a movie or something a lot of people don't know about it but it's it's an excellent i, I would recommend if there's anything for you to go out and pick up age appropriate um, for what levels adult kid um i'd say i mean i found it when i was about 13 and that seemed, that was perfect for me um maybe you know i would say because it has a little bit of it's not like gory by any stretch but it has some some adult themes and sophistication to the storytelling and some of the story elements that Fair enough. probably 15-ish something like that and up cool yeah awesome how about you guys paul you want to go first well, yeah sure well obviously we've got to say check out godzilla versus power rangers when that drops 
<laughs> knew you were going to take that well, one. I mean, it has, it has to be said, doesn't it? Um, it does have to be said. And then I think we, should, we need to give you um, a bit of a plug, Freddie. So check out freddyart.com. You can see his art, some tutorials, um, what you've previously done. Um, I think the He-Man Thundercats crossover sounds fantastic, where um, Mumra's trying to get He-Man's sword of power so he can uh, finally kind of stand up to Lion-O and the sword of omens. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I loved, absolutely loved um, Thundercats growing up. So that's um, that's great. And um, Power Rangers, check out The Green Candle, because that's just like one of the best episodes. Oh, okay. There we go. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, so, Joe, did I just steal yours? No, I'm just remembering <laughs> that. I just the Green Candle where it sapped his power, and that was the end of the Dragon's Orders as we know it. I mean, it's my boy. <laughs> So I'm going to go old school on this one. My comfort comic is Devil Dinosaur and Moon Boy by Jack Kirby. I go back to that. I love the like just saturated colors, the dark lines, the simplicity of the story. It's very Edgar Rice Burroughs in a way, actually. And it's fun. And it, it kind of, it's kind of cheeky because it sort of retells the story of creation. But um what I will say is that it's going to be increasingly more relevant because Disney Plus has Devil Dinosaur and Moon Girl uh, coming out soon as an animated uh, feature. I think it's going to be a series, actually. But uh, Devil Dinosaur and Moon Boy is where it all started, and Jack Kirby is a comic legend. Um, if you are not familiar with his works, if you look up his name, you will see that you actually are. So I'm going to recommend Devil Dinosaur and Moon Boy as a feel-good fun yarn about an ape kid and his pet tyrannosaurus <laughs> so yeah but uh it's great i love that so thank you all so much for listening thank you again freddie for coming on the podcast we absolutely love this episode and yeah folks, thanks for having me on i really appreciate it there we go <laughs> folks as always keep it kaiju I got hung up with Titanosaurus. Mm -hmm. You probably even haven't seen a picture of him. They, I don't. They think wouldn't so. have. They they wouldn't have sent you a blessing. <laughs> no, he's not popular enough, Joe. Seconds. Let it go. <laughs> <laughs> he's the every only, show. He's the every only show. He's talking yeah. about Titanosaurus. <laughs>
Um, yes. So, uh, and I was I was living there when they brought the first Chipotle in. I don't know if you uh, did you oh, move no, away. This this is way before Chipotle days. Okay, but um, so uh, there was a Burger King there, and I lived like if you remember the Burger King or if you know where that mm-hmm. is. I think I do. Two three blocks away from there. Okay, that's that's cool. Yeah, we lived right. Do you remember the Wendy's? There was a Wendy's at yeah. 75th or like a block or half a block up from that right next to like an auto parts store. We live oh, yeah. on the other side of the parking lot of the Wendy's. So dude, like, this is so weird. You <laughs> and I just became like best friends. This is, what? What? This is great. This is amazing. How about the chiefs of the Royals? I can feel like I can talk to somebody now. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry to disappoint you. I actually have to bring in my wife Kiki for that because she's a huge sports fan. I I'm not a sports I'm guy not. at all. So you see, I, I grew up like not generally liking sports because I like the Chiefs and the Royals. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, but in the last couple of years, they've been going nuts, like getting really close to the championships yeah, or whatever yeah, it's they, called. They've the, got the, the World Series. They've got the Super Bowl. I mean, like it was this is amazing. After I moved over here. <laughs> Oh, dude, this is awesome. Isn't wow. that weird? Yeah, small world. You you and I are friends now. I'm sorry. You're not losing me anymore now. Okay, oh, good. This is great. All right. So I'm going to start the episode with a straight face now. You've made my day. All right. So I would love it if you could leave all that stuff in, even if you put it at the end or however you do stuff. Like, yeah, but yeah, like I can put that at the end. That's no problem. That feels totally surreal. Yeah. You know, Paul does that at the end of every, like, some episodes, everyone's like, if there's like a really stupid quip or something, like, it's kind of like we, like the Marvel movies, they do at the end of the end. Yeah. 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 Post credit scene. It's it's like whatever stupidest, like the stupidest, craziest thing during the episode or the breaks. But yeah, there we go. Pretty sweet. Oh my God. That's too crazy. Yeah. 